Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's show. My guests today are Dr. Gay Hendricks and Carol Klein. They are the co-authors of Conscious Luck, Eight Secrets to Intentionally Change Your Fortune. In Conscious Luck, New York Times best-selling authors Gay Hendricks and Carol Klein share eight secrets that will allow you to intentionally change your fortune. Instead of hoping and wishing that luck will come your way, let conscious luck show you how uh, to seize control of your destiny and create the dazzling life of your dreams. Dr. Gay Hendricks has served for more than 40 years as one of the major contributors in the field of relationship transformation and body-mind therapies. He is a New York Times best-selling author and his books include Conscious Loving and The Big Leap. Carol Klein has devoted her career to teaching, writing, and speaking about consciousness and personal growth. She is the number one New York Times bestselling co-author of Happy for No Reason, Love for No Reason, five books in the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, And, of course, today's that we're talking about, Conscious Luck, Eight Secrets to Intentionally Change Your Fortune. For more information, you can visit their website, website, which is ConsciousLuck.com. Okay, and with that, I believe I have Gay there. Hello, Gay. Thanks for joining me today. Good morning. I'm really happy to be back with you. Thank you. This is um, I'm, this is going to be um, a lot of fun. I, I'm really looking forward to the show. Now, are we having Carol join us today, or yes? I just got a text from okay. Carol. She was having a little bit of trouble okay. getting in. Okay. Um, okay. Not sure why. Okay. That sometimes that sometimes happens crazy, but we'll we'll just go ahead and and not just be around as soon as soon as she shows up. But um, let's you know. Uh, I I was. When she gets in here, I want to um, talk about how you two got this project together, how it all came together, because that's one one area that um, I think would really be beneficial. But um, until she comes on, let's first start talking about conscious luck. So would you mind sharing with the listeners what is it you mean by conscious luck? Conscious luck is really when you take charge of your own destiny, and decide instead of being at the effect of whether you felt lucky before or unlucky before, deciding to take charge of your own luck. And we lay out eight different paths, eight different ways you can do that in conscious luck. But it really boils down to choosing to be a lucky person, being willing to be a lucky person, being willing to let go of any kind of limiting beliefs that you have from the past and be able to open up and accept what's yours right now. And one of the best metaphors for luck is in the book we talk about we talked about a Stanford professor named Tina Selig and she came up with a metaphor for luck that we really just love. Whoops. 
Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I was going to just try calling Carol. Hello, Carol. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, I'm so this sorry. The number this... won't work for me. Hi. I know. I Yes, you, you know, Gate had told me that, and, and while he was talking, I was thinking, oh, my God, I can dial out to one person, and I have Carol's number here. Let me just go ahead and do that. Um, I didn't think it was going to hear the ringing tone, but anyway, we're, we're all here together. So, oh, perfect. thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate it. Oh, sure, sure. This is great. Now, Gay was just, you know, explaining um, what what conscious luck is, and so um, if you would you wouldn't mind continuing, Gay, about you know that um, the awareness of of, yes. of luck. Yes. Well, I was just talking about something that's very uh, important to both Carol and myself, which is Tina Selig's metaphor of luck being like wind. In other words, it's always blowing. You just need to know how to adjust your sails so that you catch the wind and use the energy of it to take you where you're going. And so most of us don't think of luck that way. Many people think of luck as a lightning strike or maybe you're born lucky in some way. But a lot of us don't really think of ourselves as being able to take charge of the luck in our lives. But just about every lucky person we've ever talked to in interviewing people for the book tells us that there was a time when they didn't necessarily feel lucky, and then they made some shifts in their life, and luck started coming their way. And so one of the most important things we want people to get out of conscious luck is that you can take charge of where you are. You don't need to keep being at the effect of the old things that that kept you limited before. You can break out into something brand new now and choose a whole new way of being. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, that that sale um, image was one that I, I thought, you know, it was great to be able to kind of recognize the idea that, you know, we not only have to have the sail up, but also we can, you know, direct which way, you know, to catch the wind, we can you know, move the sail to catch the wind. So to me, that kind of what uh, the idea of, of conscious luck to me it was, it was the idea of being aware of being able to catch that wind. Absolutely, so, and for so, me, this is Carol. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was that was the prime thing for me. I read Gay's manuscript earlier and was fascinated by this idea. Those two words don't usually go together, conscious and luck. (laughs) We think of luck, as Gay said, as random and chance. But when you realize that it's really coming from your attitudes, your actions, and your associations, you have complete control over those. And it will, any one of those things, if you put your attention and do it intentionally in the ways that we give you eight ways to build that sale, it will change your life and your luck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I wanted um, to talk about early on is the the way that conscious luck came into being. You know, the the idea for you, Gay, that it was you know a long time you know back 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 burner kind of thing, and then then um, you know Carol with your um, introduction into to the scene, like you said, reading the manuscript, but also from the idea of uh, maybe a, a little bit of a hesitancy initially to, um, uh, you know, suggest the co-authoring, you know, because I think there are a lot of people out there who have, like Gay, things in the, you know, on the, you know, kind of on, on the back burner, and there are people like you, Carol, 
that would like to hear your perspective on putting it together. So let's start with Gay. You know, the, the idea of this manuscript having been around for a long time. So can you mind, mind sharing just a little bit about um, yeah. that, that seed? <laughs> yes. Well, the seed of the idea came when I was actually 14 years old. I had my first thought about luck being something that was different than just a lightning strike kind of thing. And that was that I was at a movie theater one day with a, a bunch of people. There was probably 250 of us in the audience and a big Saturday matinee. And they were uh, going to um, have a drawing. And they took everybody's ticket and put it in a goldfish bowl. And then they drew out a, a three tickets. And they had three prizes. So this kid next to me, Danny, leaned over just before the drawing and said, watch this, I'm going to win one of the prizes. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so they had the drawing, and sure enough, he actually won the first prize, which was a wristwatch, and pretty cool prize for, for you know, because I think we paid the grand total of 25 cents in those days to get into the movie theater. So, um, But afterwards, I asked him, how did you happen to do that? And he said, oh, it's actually not that hard. He said, I just made up my mind one day. I was going to be one of the lucky ones. And I asked him what he meant, and he said that he'd noticed that that some people in his family felt lucky, and some didn't seem to feel lucky, and the good stuff always seemed to happen to the ones that felt lucky, and the bad things happened to the ones that were always complaining and stuff about being unlucky. And so he said, I'm going to be one of the lucky ones. And so he just kind of took that on. And that was the first time it occurred to me that you could make a big change in your life just by changing a single thought or a single belief about yourself. And so that made a huge impression on me. But what really made an impression, I remember I walked all the way home afterwards and I was trying on these different things like I'm a lucky person and good things happen to me and I'm a lucky guy. And I was trying on different thoughts in my mind. Then the next day, this amazing thing happened that I found a coin collection by the side of the street and returned it to a shop inside where a famous coin collector had been. He left it out on the street because he was putting money in his parking meter, and then he wandered off without it. Well, it turned out to have a quite a large fortune of rare coins in it, and I just matter-of-factly took it back into the store because I'd been in the store where the uh, fellow was, and so I sort of knew where he'd been. So I took it back in and gave it to the owner. And anyway, to make a long story short, it turned out to be this amazingly expensive coin collection, and it belonged to a famous coin collector. And then he ended up sending me a collection of buffalo nickels as a thank you present for doing that. So I had right away this kind of this reward in a way from the universe, unexpected reward right after I'd made this decision to be a lucky person. And so that made a big believer out of me that things like that can happen in your outer life just by changing things inside. Yeah. Now, what, how many years ago, prior to you and Carol coming together for the book, how many years had that been, you know, on the shelf? Yes. It had been on, well, that that thing with the movie theater happened when I was 14, so it had been. Oh, 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 but actually, I, I sat okay. down about about 10 years ago, maybe it was 12, okay. yeah. eight, eight years ago. I sat down and I wrote the first four chapters or so of the book, 
conscious luck, and then I kind of put it away. I got busy. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but in my spare time, I write mystery novels. And I write mystery novels about uh, a Tibetan Buddhist private detective. That's one series I have. And then another series about a kind of a Victorian-era competitor of Sherlock Holmes. And so I had these two uh, two series going, and I was trying to sell them to the movies. And anyway, to make a long story short, I just never got back to conscious luck until this um, – persistent angel named Carol (laughs) and I'll let her tell the story from here I love that introduction (laughs) persistent angel boy did he set that one up (laughs) he's so funny he called me a pushy angel in a different interview so this is actually a step up (laughs) oh there we go (laughs) I you know he sent me the manuscript um, for me to look at Mm -hmm. and it was my first time with that those two words together, conscious luck, and it really right. made a deep impression on me. And I read the manuscript, and it had it had gold in it. It was just really powerful. And then I thought it needed work. He needed more material, la, la, la. And in my author, editor uh, expertise, I thought he needed some more stuff. So I said to him, this is great, but it needs more you know, editing and more work. And he said, you know, I'm going to do my, my thing with my detective novels. Thank you very much. And every time I saw Gay, when we live in the same town. I wrote a book with Gay and Jack Canfield in 2005 called You've Got to Read This Book, which was one of my favorite book projects ever. It was about 55 people telling the story of the book that changed their life. So Gay and I had met before, and that's why he sent me the, um, yeah, he had sent me this manuscript. So I'd see him around, and I always asked, because, you know, it was on my desktop, actually. (laughs) I never told Gay this. I would always see Conscious Luck (laughs) on my desktop and say, because I just, I don't know, I didn't delete it. I just liked seeing it. And I would ask him, what's happening? He'd say, nothing. So one day, March 2017, we met, as usual, in our local store. And I said, hey, game, what's happening with conscious luck? Came up in our conversation. And as usual, he said, nothing for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Went home, chopping vegetables for lunch. And I had some somewhere very deep inside me, I thought, I should just offer to help him finish that. I, I, I hadn't been writing in a while. I'd gotten very... Uh, burned out, honestly. I'd written eight books in eight years and had taken a sabbatical from writing, but this had piqued my interest. And I called him and I said, Gay, what did you, would you think if I did this with you? And I thought he would say no, because, you know, he could do it himself mm-hmm. if he wanted. And he said, yes. And that is why the book, and it was one of the most wonderful collaborations. We've had a blast doing it. It's been fun and exciting. And I really think that we complement each other in many ways. Uh, and so I, I like the book. It has uh, a little, it has Gay's brilliance and original thinking, and it has my sort of stories of other people and my ghostwriting abilities in terms of channeling and helping other people get their stories out and interviewing and research. So it was, it's a wonderful book, and it's been a lucky collaboration, and I feel extremely fortunate to have worked with Gay. And I just want to tell you, he told me he has another file called Books I Will Probably <laughs> Never Finish. I'm I'm a a dog to read it. (laughs) I'm afraid you better read it, though, for fear I may have to. Yeah, you better not. That's it. Yeah, you gotta follow through. (laughs) You you open that gate, and um, I have a feeling Carol's gonna walk through it. You open that door, she's gonna walk through it. Um, So let's let's well before we go into talking a little bit more about luck, you know some. There are people who would be skeptical about the just the very idea of luck, you know, that there is such a thing. 
So can um, either of you kind of um, talk about, um, you know, is there like uh, scientific kinds of um, uh, support for the idea of luck? I'm not sure who is well, the expert on that. Yeah. Well, bo well, I can say a few things, and then Carol also did a lot of the research Great. on the book. But Perfect. one thing that, one thing that I learned um, back during the '90s and in the early part of this century, my wife and I here at our institute uh, used to do a lot of corporate consulting, where CEOs mostly or executive teams from companies would come here, and we would work with them for one to three days in a very intensive kind of situation, and. One thing I learned from working with people and also going to – I used to be a consultant down at Dell. Uh, I used to be Michael Dell and his executive team's um, consultant for a while back in the 90s when they were going through a period of explosive growth with their stock. And So anyway, I, from all of these experiences with business executives, when I would run across a wealthy person, I would often talk to them about their life and their wealth and that kind of thing, and almost every one of them – said that they felt lucky. And so these were people that had worked their tails off. I mean, they are the hardest working people you could imagine. But they also said they were lucky because they just happened to be at the right place for the right thing to happen. Or, you know, like Michael, I remember Michael Dell talking about what it was like to go to his parents when he was 19, you know, and say, I want to quit University of Texas and create this little thing where I get my fellow uh, dorm people to answer questions about computers and sell computers rather than having people go down to a computer shop. And, and his parents, I believe, gave him $1,000 to help launch the company. Rather than giving him a hassle about quitting college, they gave him $1,000. And later on, I believe he was able to give him back $100 million or so for that original investment. So um, it paid off. Now, I'm glad I didn't ask my mother for that when I was 19 years old. She would have thrown <laughs> me out of the house, <laughs> and rightfully so. Uh, I would have probably taken the $1,000 and gone to the beach with it. Um, but um, I think that... Uh, if you look inside the hearts and minds of really successful people, you'd be surprised at how many of them identify themselves as lucky. And But they, they almost every one of them say that you make your own luck, too. So there's a nice little combination there between knowing that you make your own luck and then being open to just random things happening and taking advantage of those moments. And so I think that a lot of the, the openness to luck, though, starts way, way down inside ourselves, and we give some specific ways to do it in our book. But for starters, just go down inside and ask yourself, would you be willing to be luckier today than you were yesterday? And would you be willing to be luckier tomorrow than you were today? In other words, am I willing to be luckier every day than I was the day before? Then your life becomes a quest for more, 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 more good fortune. And that's a good way to have your life. Now, Carol probably has some more scientific things that she learned <laughs> along the way that could complement that. Very much. One of my favorite quotes from Gay that I probably will have framed is that all conscious change begins with willingness. And that mm. is something mm -hmm. that has really uh, deeply affected me because it's, it's a paradigm shift. It's something that you look at your life and say, wow, if I'm not willing to change, how the heck is that going to happen? And, um, you know, a lot of our, our eight steps, which I'll get into the science in a second, but the eight steps 
the eight secrets, four of them are internal mm-hmm. shifts. And we really tell you to start with those. And they have to do with committing, like Gay talked about with his story in the movie theater, and then releasing your boundaries, releasing your personal barriers to good fortune. And a lot of that comes about by because of your mental conditioning and things that have happened. And Gay's book, The Big Leap, uh, really details a very big one that is a big barrier to luck, which is that upper limits problem where when you – and you know what I found is that doing research for my other books, Happy for No Reason and Love for No Reason, I did a lot of positive psychology research. And conscious luck and luck itself, there is a body of scientific le- uh, literature in the positive psychology you know, annals about luck, that there have been positive psychologists who have studied this. And there's a lot of overlap with learned optimism, uh, resilience, uh, happiness set point, all the things that mindset and that there's a lot of research that shows that people who consider themselves self-described lucky people have certain characteristics. They're optimistic. They're resilient. They actually believe that they're lucky and are open to being lucky. They feel they, the idea that you are lucky and you deserve to be lucky are the biggest lucky charms you could have. You know, forget rabbit's feet. So those will work too if you believe it. It has to do. There's a lot of scientific evidence that your mindset about luck is going to be a huge determinant of luck. And then we have, yeah, um, definitely. you know, we have other, you know, we've got the four, you mm-hmm. know, inner shifts and then four practices that you do daily to make luck a reality. And I think you need to uh, realize that it's not just making the decision. There has, you, can, you can get a lucky break, but you have to do something to make it a lucky streak. Yeah. Well, and we're going to, yeah, well, I definitely want to get into to that as far as the continuity, you know, getting it and, and then keeping it going. Um, and the one thing we were talking about commitment, you know, I, um, in the very beginning of the book, it you know, talks about be commit to being a VLP, a very lucky person. And um, there was a, one of the first exercises or, you know, kind of interactions thing is, is to write um, I and then insert your name, uh, make a sincere commitment to being lucky now and forever. And then doing it with your dominant hand and then doing it with the non-dominant hand and then back and forth. So you would end up having two sentences written twice with a dominant hand and twice with a non-dominant hand. So why, I mean, I have to say that my non-dominant hand <laughs> And I'm glad you said in the book you can go ahead and scribble because that's what that's what mine ended up being. Um, but tell tell us why why do that. The reason is because when you write with your dominant hand, you're accessing one part of your brain. But when you switch over to your non-dominant hand, you activate a whole different part of your brain. And what we want to do in the book is help get your left hemisphere and your right hemisphere in conversation with each other and also your mind and your body in conversation with each other so that you're open in your mind and your body and your heart to these new things happening. And so one of the best ways to do that are to do little processes like we have in the book that connect your right and left hemisphere and connect your mind to your body. So that's that's why we do that is because we want to give you a whole person experience of what it feels like to be lucky. We want you to feel it, not just think it. And there's no better way to do that than to use these processes we have in the book. Yeah, now, you, know, you mentioned the, um, about taking advantage of those random moments. Is 
is it the random nature nature that um, would uh, lend support to being it designated as lucky? I mean, you know, it's out of the ordinary kind of spur of the moment surprise kind of thing. Is is that a feature which defines luck? Well, I think. Go ahead, Carol. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say we started to say the same thing. I think that there is a random component to luck. There is a serendipitous often, but often that is not really as random as you think because sometimes you set into motion um, things that maybe a year ago or months ago or weeks ago or days ago that come to fruition, and maybe that will look like a random piece of luck. But my experience with luck is that feeling of, I never just thought, oh, I'm so lucky. And it, it kind of crosses over with gratitude and feeling just so taken care of and, and relieved if something went right that you were hoping would go right or something didn't go wrong that you were afraid would go wrong. There's this sense that we all are familiar with of that, I mean, I would say feeling blessed. And that's, you know, kind of this feeling of just total gratitude. And gratitude and luck are very closely aligned in our final um, secret is about practicing radical gratitude and appreciation is one of the daily practices. And so that this random feeling about luck can really be harnessed and you can start focusing on luck and that will create more luck in your life. And we have on our consciousluck.com website, if you purchase the book through there and go and visit there, you can get a bonus where we've recorded two meditations. Uh, Gay did the morning, I did the bedtime one, where just three minutes intro to the day and outro to the day that will help put that lucky perspective and savoring the luck in your life and creating more luck in your life and being willing to be lucky. Oh, I hope great, I answered Great. It. You did. You did. And um, so now, actually, we're, we're just about halfway through the show already. So I want to take just a, um, a quick break. Um, and then two probably the most pressing questions that listeners will have is, number one, Will this help me win the lottery? <laughs> Number two, uh, do I need a good luck charm for that? So you know, two just fun types of topics to talk when we come back, okay? Sounds good. Great. Great. Okay, great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website ByteRadio.me has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests. 
and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Again, today, my special guests are Dr. Gay Hendricks and Carol Klein. They are co-authors of Conscious Luck, Eight Secrets to Intentionally Change Your Fortune. And again, you can find out more by visiting their website, which is ConsciousLuck.com. And with that, uh, Gay and Carol, we're back. Good to talk Great. to you today, Robert. Great. Okay. So let's let's do um, those, those those pressing questions: winning the lottery, or you know, some other kind of um, you know dream wish. What, what, how uh, does conscious does conscious luck? contribute to that or is that like kind of wishing for too much (laughs) well i think that you think you need to think of luck certainly that could be a a factor you know it's good to be open to spontaneous random events that are good for you that you don't have any control over Uh, but those are going to be fairly rare things usually in life what you really want to do is being open to the luck in every moment where you actually find yourself because many of us go around in a state of dissatisfaction with where we are at this moment, where we're not feeling grateful for where we are at this moment. And that contraction inside that comes from that actually chases away good fortune. And so, you know, if you go around with your head stuck in a little gray cloud all the time, you don't see the rainbow that's happening right above your head. And so we need to get open to seeing the magic in every moment, seeing the good fortune in every moment, because the moment you see it that way, suddenly the moment has great good fortune in it. And so I always say we're only one thought and one breath away from changing our lives completely. And one to start with is being open to seeing the good luck in every moment you're in, even if it doesn't feel like that at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely, you know, recognizing and, and giving that little moment of awareness when when that luck happens, you know, kind of uh sets it in you you become even more more apt to draw it into you by by recognizing that. Absolutely. So um, now, what about, Carol, how about Lucky Charms? <laughs> do, you know, Rabbit's Foot, Four Leaf Clovers, all the kind of, where, where, does lucky, where do Lucky Charms fall in the realm of luck? Well, this was a huge revelation to me because they actually work, but not for the reason you think. Um, lucky socks, uh-huh. lucky golf clubs, lucky any kind of, you know, charm and, work because they create a belief in your own luck. And it is that that is going to create more luck in your life. So it's like a placebo, basically, that it's the mind of the person who believes they're lucky carrying whatever that is. And what was sort of ironic is that even without it, if they believe they're lucky, and that's what we're finding. And again, believing you're lucky is a a much more complex thing than just making a decision. That's the first step, that willingness and making the commitment to be lucky then you have to do the rest of the work. And what's fantastic is a lucky charm kind of makes it easier for you to do it because you don't have to deal with your own, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. boundaries about luck or barriers to luck. So it can be a shortcut, 
but I read a wonderful story about a little girl who, you know, was everybody was playing in the in the baseball field and she was on the side and she was looking for a lucky clover, a four leaf clover. And she looked and looked and all the kids were looking with her, but they didn't have the sort of they just got tired and walked away. And so eventually she found a lucky clover. And do you think she's gonna be lucky because of that four leaf clover? Probably that's not the issue is that she had persistence and she had an ability to stay with a, a task. That was the thing I was talking about earlier, that lucky breaks don't always lead to lucky streaks, that that lucky break comes from an increased openness, taking bold action. You have to play to win. You know, the more things you do, the more likelihood you'll be lucky. The belief that you are lucky keeps you open to the things around you that might come, makes you a more attractive person, makes you more attractive in a, an energetic sense. People remember you when they need something. It helps networking. I mean, all this stuff has a very practical basis. As do lucky charms, they're very, very scientifically based. So I would say you can just shortcut and just have the, the belief mindset that you're lucky and not have to carry that or wear those red socks or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it does um, really talk to, you know, the, the mindset, you know, and, and for some people it's easier, just like, you know, um, like in, you know, in intuitive ways. So, you know, I mean, you, there are people who are extremely intuitive that can just, you know, get in the zone. And then there are some people who use tools to assist them with that process. So, I mean, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, like Tom could be that little tool, you know, to, to assist in, in tapping into that um, lucky um, <laughs> mindset. But, you, you, you know, and you mentioned that, you know, the belief is being really, you know, important. Now, the first four secrets in the book um, deal with making core shifts. And, um, Gay, I'm, I'm not sure, but you said you had four chapters or something written. Uh, well, you know, yeah, for, I, I, <laughs> was that the, I, I basically the, the roughed out the, the basic ideas. I'd roughed out the basic ideas mm -hmm. that comprise no. the first four chapters. And, but what I didn't have when I bumped into Carol down at the farmer's market was, um, a lot of the processes and the activities in the book and a lot of the research and interviews and stories and that kind of thing. So uh, it's like I, uh, I kind of brought down the uh, a partially assembled Lego set and then she sat down <laughs> and worked out the rest with me. Now, um, so can you, for the listeners, tell us what, the idea, what's a core shift? What, what's an example of what a core shift would be with yes, regard to uh, luck? Okay. A core shift would be, well, take, for example, uh, the material in Chapter 3, which is something that's capturing a lot of people's attention because it's kind of a new way to look at negative emotions. Uh, it's called Transform Shame into a Magnet for Abundance. And what we mean by that is there are certain big feelings that often come up inside all of us. Sometimes we get scared. Sometimes we get sad. Sometimes we get anger, angry. And sometimes things happen that leave the feeling of shame in, their bod in our bodies. And I talk in the book about how I discovered this moment when I was down in Florida helping my brother clean out my mother's house after she passed away. I came across a letter that brought <clears throat> was a letter from her church group that was begging her to come back to the church group. They said, you can't just sit in your house feeling shame 
uh, we know that the birth of your baby wasn't exactly the way you might have wanted it and that kind of thing, but there's no need to mm. be ashamed. And when I read it, the postmark was 1945, and I realized, oh, my gosh, they're talking about me. And so I, it, it led me to feel in that moment, I realized it was kind of like turning on a light in a different room in my body. I realized I could still feel the early shame from all of that in my body, even though I'd never consciously thought about it. And so that was a huge transformative moment for me because what I did also was own that feeling, own that shame and and feel it, but realize that it could also be used to a different purpose. And the purpose I decided to use it, it's like a farmer comes out and, uh, and has a field full of, uh, let's say, turnips and wants to turn it into a field of roses. Well, you kind of have to deal with the turnips first, but once you do, then you simply (laughs) replant the roses. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I did. I replanted my field of shame as a field of attraction for love and luck. So I I think we can all rededicate any emotion that we feel to a higher and better purpose for us. Yeah. Yeah. And Carol, what about you with, you know, what's your um, view of, you know, a a core shift or, you know, how that fits into the process? Well, I think for me, one of the biggest core shifts um, that I made was the first one committing to be lucky about because I didn't realize that luck was something I could control. So that paradigm shift, that luck was something that I could have some causality for, that it wasn't just, you know, lady luck, you know, it wasn't like we talked about a random Mm -hmm. lightning strike, but that huge, that shift, that paradigm shift that I could be at cause, that I could do things in my life, it was up to me to be lucky or not lucky, changed everything. And once that core shift happened, the second one was natural. I was like, well, why, you know, why are I not, why am I not lucky all the time? You know, what's stopping me from being lucky? Mm -hmm. And for me, it had to do with this upper limits issue. I would sabotage myself when I got too lucky because it felt scary. You know, I had a life where everything was fantastic. And then when the space of two or three years as a child, everything went to hell in a handbasket. It was bad. (laughs) My father died, you know, our house burned down. And so I never felt safe being happy or feeling lucky because it could just get taken away from you. So I had to work on that stuff. And we have techniques in our book that help you with those upper limits, with those uh, conditionings, mental conditionings and emotional conditionings that uh, may stop you, may sabotage you to keep you in a more comfortable zone, your comfort zone of, of happiness and luck. So those core shifts are very important. Yeah, very much so. Um, Now I want to talk just um, kind of an overview of a couple of the secrets so that the listeners can get an idea. And the one, uh, Gay, if you could talk about, it's the seventh one, um, master the art of being in the right place at the right time. I think you kind of alluded to that in the first half of the show. But before you do that, the question some people might, say that we are always in the right place at the right time. So, you know, that kind of, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a matter of perspective. So, Gay, what, what's, what's your view of this? Well, I think you're absolutely right, because if you declare it to be so, every moment is you being in the right place at the right time. 
you know, so if you always feel that you're in the right place at the right time, you are in the right place at the right time. It's just the problem is that many people go around thinking, oh, boy, I don't want to be here. Why am I here? Why can't mm-hmm. I be there? And so we have a cycle of negative thoughts going through our mind about wanting to be somewhere else. One of my friends had a moment of enlightenment. He was driving home across the Golden Gate Bridge to Marin County where he lives, and he saw one car in front of him that had a sticker on the back bumper that said, I'd rather be sailing. And then later on, he saw another Mm -hmm. car that said, I'd rather be fishing. And then he saw another car that had one other thing. He saw three (laughs) cars in a row that wanted to be somewhere else. And he said, wait a minute, you know, that's me too. And so, like, I live near Los Angeles, and I often go to L.A. for meetings and concerts and things like that. And I've had to reframe being caught in L.A. traffic. Now I think of it as being in a Zen monastery for a few minutes while I'm (laughs) sitting there not moving. And Mm -hmm. so... Um, yes, it's all in the it's all in how you greet the moment, and if we greet the moment as a good luck opportunity waiting to happen, that gives you a lot more access to good things happening than you would otherwise have. No, oh, perfect. Yeah, I've, I've seen so many of those um, bumper stickers that it's you know, and then also you know the LA traffic. Many many moons ago, I was in the corporate world and lived in Long Beach and worked in downtown LA. So I had many a Zen moment on the 405. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, so, Jamie uh, um, Carroll, uh, the eighth secret is practice radical gratitude and appreciation. So if you wouldn't mind, first of all, you know, the idea of radical, you know, what does one mean by radical? And then aren't gratitude and appreciation the same thing? What a great question. Seriously, it was something that um, we had to think, I had to think about a lot because I'm kind of an analytical person, but they actually can be (laughs) sort sort of parsed. And for our purposes, and I'm sure you could argue this, but it really made sense that gratitude is something you feel and appreciation is something you do. And a lot of people sometimes have a little trouble with gratitude, and that's why um, in the book we recommend that you can start with appreciation because it's something just to look at the sky for a moment and let just look at it. What color is it? You know, is it clear? Is it sunlit? Is it other leaves sparkling in the sun. I mean, just that you can start feeling into your body. One of the things that I feel is so brilliant about Gay and Katie, his wife, is their beautiful anchoring of everything you feel in the body. And so when you start with appreciation, it can be a doorway for that feeling of gratitude. So it's an active thing that you will appreciate someone and or something. So appreciation is something you do. And gratitude is something you feel. A mind boggler for me. I was, we were talking about gratitude. And again, we, uh, Gay and I would discuss this. And I came in my quiet moments up with the thing that, you know, some people are, you would look at them and say, oh, they're so lucky. They're attractive and smart and have, you know, great families or do great work. But do they feel lucky? If you said to them, oh, you're so lucky, they would, they're not focusing on how lucky they are. And oftentimes when people are going through things, they don't feel lucky at all. They feel victimized. They feel hurt. They feel unhappy about what's happening in their lives. So where does luck come in there? 
And what I found was that the gratitude, having gratitude definitely makes you feel lucky. And if you feel lucky, who can argue that you're not lucky? You know, it's, it's even goes mm-hmm. back to Victor right. Frankl's man's search for meaning. I wouldn't call him lucky, obviously, but he had some ability to change his response to his to what was happening to him. And I think all of us in our less extreme situations can feel lucky about things. But this idea of radical gratitude is one where even being grateful for the challenges that you face, and I think Gay touched on that a little bit earlier, that when you can, and this is not, and I'm very, very adamant about this, this is not spiritual bypass where you are making yourself ignore your feelings of unhappiness or challenge and just trying to find the silver lining by suppressing those feelings. No, you feel clearly deep all the way down in your body what you are, who you're feeling, what's upsetting you. Give yourself some time to process that. And then in the spirit of tremendously gentle inquiry, you ask yourself this question. Is there anything that I could be grateful for here? Not I should be grateful, but is there anything I could be grateful for? And just asking that question will open the floodgates and help you stop being in that victim place and will really lead you to mm-hmm. this radical gratitude can lead to that feeling of luckiness of being lucky. Yeah. I, I, I liked, I like that distinction, you know, between the appreciation and gratitude because, you know, I, I've done a lot of shows um, and we, t- you know, I talk a lot about gratitude because it's, to me, it, it's, it's so important. And it's one of those things, you, it's like, you know, survivors of cancer, you can't have enough survivors, you know what I mean? You know, stories like that. That's just, you, you, you can't have enough talk about it, but for some people, for me, you know, to move into that space of gratitude um, can sometimes be a challenge, but going via appreciation for where I am, you know, what I'm doing, that to me is is a a gateway to, to gratitude, you know, to get that feeling. Also, I want to just tag on that, that appreciation, appreciating other, other people and like taking a moment at the end of your day to think of people that helped you that day or that you appreciate and sending them a short note. This is something much more practical, not even, you know, it's more external, that when you do that, you become, again, a more energetically attractive person, that people remember people who appreciate them. And it's not meant to be transactional, but it's really about you creating the kind of person to be the kind of person that appreciates others, and that will definitely up your luck. Think of the people in your life. Who would you rather be around, give a job to, hire? Are people that are appreciative, people who have good, open hearts, who, who talk about what they appreciate in you and in the life. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, that's, I've um, paid a lot of attention to that and, and recognizing that, you know, uh, how um, when when I feel grateful being able to express that back to people, to recognize that it's really important mm-hmm. to get that communication going. Um, now, Gay, in the book, um, you talk about writing um, luck-worthy goals, kind of winding down toward the end of the show. So goals, can you tell us exactly luck-worthy goals that would like – Winning the lottery yeah. be kind of not one of those, you know, luck-worthy goals? Well, it could be, but what we really recommend people 
to do is form goals of the heart, not just goals of the mind. Because, you know, if you if you put your attention just on creating material things, you kind of leave your heart out of it. Because what's most important, what wealth is really to me, is having everything you want and enjoying everything you have. Because mm-hmm. I've I've worked with people who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but I've seen them get into fights with their partner over the fact that she bought the $7 peanut butter rather than the $4 peanut butter <laughs> at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so unless you have the capacity, have grown the capacity to appreciate what you have and to be grateful for what you have and who you are, then nothing out there in the material world can make any difference to you. And so we recommend making it a both a body and a mind event to really open your mind to what you truly want and then open your heart, open your body to appreciating what you have now because there's no better thing to attract a better future than appreciation for what you have now. Yeah. And Carol, what what about you with that luck worthy goals? How how does how have you I, integrated I love, that? Yes, I have. And one of the things that was in Gabe's original manuscript was that luck chases worthy goals. And I thought, wow, what an interesting concept. And for me, goal setting has always been a really difficult thing. I don't know why. I just didn't want to narrow what I wanted to do down to one thing. I felt like I was going to miss other mm-hmm. things if I focused on one thing. But what um, what has really opened me up and I feel has really created a lot of what I would call support in my life, you could call it luck, you could call it support, is this idea that I, I really look at my life and I think, what if I had all the money and time in the world? What would I really do? Because most of the time I would say, well, I need to make money or, you know, I wish I had more time. But what would I do with that time and that money? If I didn't have to think about supporting myself, if I didn't have to think of the urgent things in my life, what's important to me? And Gay had a beautiful, another quote, he said, what you love to do and what's meaningful to you are twin strands of your DNA. And taking the time to get clear on that will create definitely goals that are worthy of luck, goals that you want to get support for and that um, just are naturally more attractive to you. Your life will be more fun. You'll be willing to, to spend more time to make those goals come true because they are about really what your unique soul purpose is. And um, I think that that element, and then for me, the, the third, the, the, to turbocharge your goals, to make them luck worthy, is to see how they benefit others. Can, can, do you have goals that will help not just you, but other people? And that creates just a, an unstoppable kind of energy around your goals and really uh, invites, gives luck a good reason to visit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, lifting the boat up, you're lifting the boats up forever, uh, rising water. Um, so let's uh, find out what, what is it that each of you would hope that the readers will take away from reading Conscious Luck? What's the reviews, Gay? First of all, a sense of empowerment, which is really important in these particular times we live in because so many things seem out of our control so if you can make a choice to take charge of setting an intention for good fortune if you can take charge of that you empower yourself in a way that 
there's no really other way to do it. And there's a tremendous payoff for it. Just you begin to look then for more positive things to happen. And so you, in my experience, it doesn't take long. Once you start making those inner shifts, it doesn't take long to start seeing the outer circumstances of your life change, sometimes almost overnight. Wow. And Carol, what about you? You hope that people will take away. I hope that people will take away what is a wonderful quote from C.S. Lewis, is you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And you have, and I think Gay said that beautifully, that the knowledge that you can consciously change your luck is one of the most valuable assets you have. It really is not something you have to wait for and wish for, but you can start right now to create a life that is lucky and feels lucky and helps other people as well to be lucky. Yep, absolutely. Now, I did notice that on your website, ConsciousLuck.com, uh, you have a free luck assessment. <laughs> tell us, tell us what, that, what that's about. Well, yeah, I'd it, like to just Jay? say that oh, – oh, you go oh, ahead, Jay. Go ahead. Uh, well, yes, and we can both speak about that, but one thing that's um, useful about it is that in just a moment, you can give yourself a quick little self-quiz that will tell you where your strong spots are and where your weak spots are, where you need to learn things. And so uh, Carol knows more about the technicalities of it because she made it. So maybe she'd be better qualified to talk about the uh, elements of it. Well, I, um, I love this concept of the mall map. When you get to a mall and you want to go to Macy's or whatever, in those days when we went to malls, um, you would always find that you are here dot and that you are here dot gives you a lot of information about how to get where you want to go. And what I thought would be really helpful and gain I discussed this is when people start reading our book, what do they really need to focus on? Where is there, where have they already have strong muscles, you know, where do they, it's a diagnostic, it's a self-diagnostic. So it's a free uh, bonus you can get just by going to our website and we'll mail you, email you this Thing and you can take it, and it'll tell you which chapters might be important for you to focus on, where you fall on this um, spectrum of conscious luck. So I really, really want to recommend that it would give you a little more of a purchase, a handhold, uh, to know where you are and how far you have to go before you, you know, and there's scoring. It's kind of fun, and it gives you a little bit of chance for introspection to, to know where you are and where your strengths and weaknesses are on the luck spectrum. That's great. We also that's, have that's some other great um, bonuses there. Tell us, tell us about it. Since, since, uh, well, I'm excited yeah, because us. we have that. We have that. Um, Gay talked about it. We have those um, the meditations and the willingness thing. I think I mentioned right. it earlier. Mm-hmm. But we also have a, a time bound one that if you uh, go to our website consciousluck.com, purchase the book through our website. And you can do it at any venue you want: Amazon, Indiebound, you know, all the different. Uh, places you can buy books, but you can enter your receipt number there and you'll be getting a free ticket to a live virtual, but live with Gay and I on the Zoom, a super session of conscious luck. You can get questions answered. We'll talk about things that, you know, we've come to since writing the book. And it's a really, really powerful and fun way to know more about conscious luck. So we really recommend that people take advantage of these time bound bonuses and uh, go there and purchase the book Great. through there. Well, thank you both 
for your time today. I really enjoyed it, and, and I already feel lucky. I mean, I spent the 60 minutes. And said, <laughs> you just confirmed to me that I am lucky to have you both here. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, thank Robert. You. Thanks for the good work you're doing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Again, everyone. Today, my very special guests have been Dr. Gay Hendricks and Carol Klein. We've been discussing their book, Conscious Luck, Eight Secrets to Intentionally Change Your Fortune. And again, you can find out more by visiting their website, which is ConsciousLuck.com. And, and do check out, get, order your book, get those bonuses, but also and there are some great articles that they have there for you to read. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.